Good morning, and welcome to Morning Prayers in Appleton Chapel. Our speaker for today is a seminarian here at the Memorial Church, Jane Moran. Thank you, Jane. Our service will begin with a responsive reading from the Black Appleton Psalter book, Psalm Selection number 145, found on page 73. Please stand as you are able as we read responsively by whole verse. I will exalt you, O holy God, and bless your name forever and ever. Great are you, O God, and greatly to be praised. There is no end to your greatness. I will ponder the glorious splendor of your majesty and all your marvelous works. You uphold all those who fall. You lift up those who are bowed down. The eyes of all wait upon you, O God, and you give them their food in due season. You are righteous in all your ways and loving in all your works.
reading from Matthew, chapter 18, beginning at the 15th verse. If another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained that one. But if you are not listened to, take one or two others along with you, so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If the member refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if the offender refuses to listen even to the church, let such a one be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. The word of the Lord. <laughs> I've always wondered, who is she, the person this passage speaks of? The one whom we're told has sinned. What was it that made her bind herself to this community? And what has she done that that bond is now strained? I've never been able to read this passage without asking those questions. Some of this, to be sure, is idle curiosity. But if it were all idle curiosity, I wouldn't be standing at this lectern asking you to wonder these things with me. No, I ask these questions because I do believe that the answers matter. After all, I've seen churches cut off ties with people because they're gay or because they're transgender. And on the other hand, I've seen churches utterly indifferent to the bigotry and racism of their congregants. The Christian church has an unimpressive track record when it comes to deciding what is sin and what is not sin. And because of that, it's impossible to read this passage and not see in it all the people these words have been used to hurt. Yes, we know that sin is real. And yes, we know that some sinners are unrepentant. But those two truths, as much as I believe them, are not what I think of first when I hear these words of Matthew 18. When I hear Jesus say, let such a one be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector, I don't think of the visible reality of sin. I think of the way those words have been weaponized over centuries upon centuries of Christian history. And the most unsettling thing in many ways is that there's really nothing in the text to stop me from doing that. It would be a lot easier if Jesus just told us what this imagined sinner has done. But the Bible leaves that up to our imaginations. And that, perhaps, is not an accident. What has this woman done? We just don't know. And there is 
great potential for error in that blank space. If we start to assume the wrong things about her, then it becomes very easy to jump from the first part of this passage to the last. From the moment when her bond with her community becomes strained to the moment when she is to be counted utterly outside that community. But the point of the story, of course, is what's in the middle, in between. In the middle, we see this community of people that yearns after one thing, to be reconciled to their sister. They do not seek that reconciliation at any cost. That would be foolish. But they seek it again and again, alone and in company, because this sense of yearning is real and genuine for them. To that end, it doesn't matter what the woman has or has not done. What matters is what the people in her community are ultimately looking for. Not alienation, not judgment, but a way to continue on together in good faith. It is that peculiar yearning to which God calls the church. And if you skip over this part of the story, if you read this as a passage about casting out a sinner, then you've missed the entire point. So my friends, I want to end as I began with a question. I want to ask you, do we have this spark of yearning in our hearts? And if not, what might we do to kindle it? Amen. Will you please join me in saying the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Please stand as you are able to sing the hymn, To God with Gladness Sing, hymn number 30, found in your Crimson Harvard hymnal.
we go into this day. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord grant you peace. And the gathered people said, Amen. Amen.